0: Hey now we are getting over and i am the silver king adam silverstein here to lead you through these hard times with a nxt halloween havoc edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast that's right getting over is back once again for a little bit of an impromptu Three show week. I was trying to decide when to do the NXT and AEW episode, and then a little light bulb went off and reminded me hey, uh, there's an extra dynamite on Wednesday. So you can't exactly do it on Wednesday before uh, the show happens. Uh, you know, we're doubling up on the dynamites Saturday and Wednesday, plus an AEW uh, rampage in there as well. I decided AEW this week absolutely needs its own show, so we will be doing that episode of AEW. We're actually going to t- treat it a little bit WWE style with a main event, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, etc. That will be on Thursday this week. And I decided also, hey, look, NXT Halloween Havoc, they're putting their best foot forward, or at least they're going to try to put their best foot forward. Let's go ahead and do a separate show for that as well. So that's where we arrived here. We have the WWE episode on Tuesday. If you have not listened to that show, please go back. And listen to it. Not only do we break down the week in WWE from SmackDown and Raw, the season premieres of those shows, we also go deep on WWE's 2022 pay-per-view calendar, as well as the controversial news regarding Charlotte Flair and a confrontation with Becky Lynch. So do not miss the WWE show from Tuesday. But today, we are here to talk NXT Halloween Havoc. I believe it's the second year in a row, of course, that NXT has done this in 2020. It main evented Io Shirai against Candice LeRae in a Tables, Ladders, and Scares match. And here we come back in 2021 with another awesome women's ladder match, along with a full show. Um, you know, really a four-match main card show, plus a lot of other elements that surrounding it, um, that surrounded it in this new NXT era, which of course made it drastically different from last year. But nevertheless, the second edition of NXT Halloween Havoc, and I am really excited to be able to discuss it with all of you. A reminder, of course, before we get into it, that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about defying. So please, folks, stop messing around. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Vintage Chris Vanini, and the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. You can spend as little as 30 seconds, it does not take long, leaving a five-star rating and review to let people know how much you love the show and why they should listen. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. We tweet live during the major shows. Uh, we tweet wrestling news throughout the week, some that we report, minimal, granted, but still some that we report and a lot of other stuff uh, you know that others report as well funny videos, GIFs, uh, we just like to have fun. And it's also a great way to interact with us and get your DM questions and your thoughts um, read on the show. And maybe I'll start something new as well, where if you leave a five-star review, we'll read that on the show as well, so on Apple Podcasts. So yeah, let's start that. Officially, as of right now, for all of you who have done it in the past and not had your reviews read, maybe I'll nitpick a couple and read them. Maybe I'll look for any that are funny. Uh, but for anyone new who has not yet left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, If you do, I will read it on the show. So there's a little extra incentive to go ahead and do that. And the DM slides, like I noted previously, they have slowed down a little bit. Uh, That's mostly my fault because I haven't been reading them on the show because our shows have been so busy. Chris and I have been so busy with football season that it's been difficult to try to cultivate all of those and add them. But folks, you guys are the lifeblood of the show. You, the getting overheads, are the reason why we do this. We're not part of any company. Uh, You know, we're not doing this on any type of system or service where we're getting paid. It is 100% fan-based. We do it for the love of wrestling, for the love of interacting with you guys. So please do not forget. We not only want to hear your uh, DMs and tweets, you know, before shows asking questions that we can read on air. I want to hear your reaction to shows, thoughts on our thoughts. You know, you guys hear us talk uh, sometimes for as much as an hour, 45 minutes on this podcast. I want to know what you guys think of what we're putting out there. So You can always tweet us, you can always DM us, at GettingOverCast. So with all of that out of the way, let's finally get into NXT Halloween Havoc. Uh, What I'm gonna do, the way I'm gonna break this down, I'm gonna talk about the intro to the show, I'm gonna talk about the four major matches, and then I'll go down everything else that happened, because I do wanna treat it mostly as a special event, and the way we would do a a pay-per-view instant analysis is we would, of course, just break down the card um, in opposite direction, and that's basically... What I want to do here. I want to start with the main event, kind of work our way down. Uh, but then again, after we finish those four major matches, we'll talk about everything else that happened on the show. Briefly, before I get to the main event, Halloween Havoc this year opened with Chucky, uh, the doll, you know, the, from the famous movies, uh, previewing the show. It's crossover stuff because there's a new TV show, uh, Chucky, on USA Network. I have no idea if it's good or not. I've never seen the movies, I would not even think twice about deciding to watch that show. uh, I've, I've actually dove all the way into Money Heist on Netflix right now, so that's what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Chucky, not for me, but you know, whatever. It's crossover stuff. That is fine. He had a good line um, during his intro calling Braun Breaker the puppy-faced gremlin, which of course is a takeoff of the nickname for Scott Steiner. Sorry, Rick Steiner, the dog-faced gremlin. Scott Steiner is the uncle. Rick Steiner is the father. I have to keep remembering that because when you look at Braun Breaker, he's a breakdown between the two, which is really strange that that he's mixed between his father and uncle, but that's just what he looks like. Uh, The Performance Center, it was decorated for Halloween stuff, but due to the bright lights, it looked more like a Halloween party your friend might throw in their garage or in an empty warehouse somewhere, as opposed to the dark and dreary atmosphere they created last year in the Performance Center. Now, last year you know, the setting had a lot to do with that because it was really dark. The colors were still black and gold. The ring was black. Um, You know, it was really easy for them to just add those brooding elements and have it look like a haunted house inside of the performance center. Here, given the setup being different, they didn't necessarily have that same ability. They relied a lot more on just orange lights. You know, maybe they did tone things down a little bit, which was nice, but it still had that like warehouse feel And it didn't necessarily look or feel like a Halloween show. You know, I think on NXT last year, they did orange ropes and they painted the ladders black and orange and things like that. NXT didn't really go that extra mile this year. There was a little nice Halloween setup with like some dirt and a gravestone and a hand in the ground by the wheel when they did the spin the wheel, make the deal stuff. But you didn't feel it throughout the whole uh, arena and... Last year, they were really inventive by wrestling in like a graveyard and in the backstage area where there are cobwebs and all this type of stuff. They didn't really go to that next level. And all of that stuff, those extra thematic elements, it made the 2020 Halloween Havoc special. It was actually one of the best television shows of the year, any brand. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Halloween Havoc last year was among the best shows, and I want to think back to our year-end reward awards, I'll have to go back and listen to that episode, we may have named it best TV show or best TV show special of the year here on our year-end awards for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, but again, 2020 was so special, it was going to be off the jump, very difficult for 2021 to even come close to matching it, let alone completely match it, they definitely tried, it just didn't feel as special. Let's get to the main event, the NXT Championship, Tommaso Ciampa defending against Braun Breaker. Ciampa came out dressed like Kratos from God of War. At least I'm told. I haven't played video games in years, but I think that is familiar from the commercials I've seen. Uh, There were dueling chants throughout the match. Ciampa pulled the mat up outside the ring, but Braun countered his suplex to the other side that was padded. Braun chanted with the crowd while on the ropes. He barked like a dog, you know, referencing, of course, his father and now him. Uh, and he literally tripped and fell off the ropes flat on his face. Champa had a great presence of mind to, you know, try to pin him immediately right there and, and sell it as if, you know, it was something that was planned. But of course, it wasn't. Very green wrestler move to get so amped up by the crowd that you forget what you're doing and literally trip off the ropes onto the canvas. The good news is that's really the only mistake Braun Breaker made throughout the entire match. The guy's only been wrestling uh, in NXT for like a few months at this point. So... You know, you got, you got to give credit where it's due. Still a big mistake. Champa caught Braun uh, getting in the ring with the Willows Bell for a near fall. Braun hit a Frankensteiner and a double underhook slam for a near fall. He tried to press power slam Champa. That's his finisher. But Champa countered into a side slam. Champa then countered Braun outside and DDT'd him into that concrete that he exposed earlier, as I mentioned. That busted his head open. I'm not sure if he bladed. I think he actually did, Braun. Um... But either way, he was showing color. Champa barked and hit the fairy tale ending, sitting on Braun's chest. One, two, and he kicks out at 2.9. And I will admit, my stomach dropped in that moment. It was a false finish, and I said, Man, this guy just took a DDT on concrete. He ate the fairy tale ending, and Champa gave him the type of cover that you would give to end a match, and yet he still kicked out. They're gonna put the title on Braun. I was very concerned in that moment. They swerved my ass, Champa comes immediately back with three running knees to the face and a second fairytale ending for the 1-2-3. Now, outside of Braun's slip, which I already criticized earlier, this match was perfect from a booking and execution standpoint. Braun was completely certified and established by this match and its booking. Champa was able to look strong by controlling the entire finish without Braun adding any offense once he took that DDT. From that DDT to the fairy tale ending, it was all Champa. This guy is a multi-time NXT champion and he is the legend on the brand. Losing to Braun would not have made a shred of sense even though I know many people assumed it was gonna happen, especially after the results of the first three matches on the show. Forcing the title onto Braun is not the way to build a main event level face for a brand. That is over-pushing. Just look, for example at Hangman Adam Page in AEW. If he won on his first try in that match against Chris Jericho, where's the fun or excitement in that? Where does his character go from there? He's already accomplished that, you know, top tier deal. And yeah, he's established as a main eventer, but you've rushed the title onto him. The build is what has gotten Hangman Page super over and ready for the title. And NXT can do the exact same thing, granted to a lesser extent, but it can do the same thing with Braun Breaker. It's the correct booking, and it's the exact opposite of what WWE main roster normally does. A great example, Nikki Ash. They introduce a new character. They immediately give her money in the bank. They immediately have her cashing in. And the character, while it still gets cheers and it's fine, it could have been super over, no pun intended. It could have been super over with the fans if she kept trying and kept failing and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually she got on a little bit of a winning streak and found confidence in herself and then cashed it in and beat Charlotte and won. That would have been a huge pop at a pay-per-view or at a TV special. Instead, they completely rushed and botched the entire thing. They are not making the same mistake with Braun Breaker. Now, what I'd like to see is Braun get built up over the next two or three months. You allow Carmelo Hayes to defend that North American championship against some other people. Eventually, Braun beats him for the title in early 2022. That is the track he should be on. Champa now should be going through a ton of different people. He can go through rookies, he can go through veterans, but he needs to be establishing himself. I'm not exactly sure who should be the one to take the title off him at this point. You guys know I'm not a huge LA Knight fan. He seems like he may be in that position down the road to do something like that. And then once LA Knight has the title and he's held it for four or five months... Then in comes Braun Breaker as no longer a rookie, but a sophomore in NXT, and he establishes himself by defeating LA Knight, let's say, for the title. That's how you go ahead and book it. We will see what NXT does. As far as the match, it was a solid match. It was the best match of the night. That's not to say that all of the wrestling was so good that this was great, incredible, amazing. It was really tough to grade all of these matches because they were basically all the same 15 to 17 minutes. I should say 13 to 17 minutes. And better than what we normally get on NXT in this new era. Not as good as what we used to get in NXT. So because of that, it's very, very difficult to grade them. And when I give you the grades for the matches and the ratings, I want you guys to understand they may be a little bit curved. Meaning NXT may get a little bit... More benefit of the doubt because so many of the performers are green than they otherwise would. Um, So for this match, I'm going to go ahead and say 3.5 stars and a B. That doesn't mean it is better necessarily, although this is how it should work, than every match I've given 3.25 stars in the past. Uh, For example, there's probably a Young Bucks tag team match that I've given 3.25 stars, but a certain someone else has been... 4.5 4.5 stars, right? Um yes, no, number one speaks to my preference. I don't like those matches in particular most of the time when they're just spot fest. But I was entertained and swerved by this and I thought there was good psychology and storytelling. There's a lot more that goes into a match than just spots. And I think for especially when it comes to AEW, in a lot of their matches that I that are highly praised by a certain person, they're just really spot fest and they don't really have a lot of that that psychology, and that storytelling aspect to them, I appreciate that along with good action, along with entertainment, popping the fans. It's really an all-encompassing type of grade. So for this, I did go 3.5 stars in a B. Like I said, none of the matches on the show stood out, but in totality, it was a strong episode of wrestling, at least since the you know turn to the new era of NXT, and this was the best match on that card. So the penultimate match was the NXT Tag Team Championships, the Men's Tag Team Championships, MSK defending against Imperium in a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match. So before the match, Imperium cut a promo with live subtitles, which was way better, as always, when forcing non-English speakers to push through that language. I much prefer when you just let people speak their language and, and throw in the subtitles. Uh, They didn't say anything, though, so the promo was kind of irrelevant. MSK came out to a special entrance with a DJ. The wheel landed on a Lumberjack-O-Lantern match, so basically a Lumberjack match. MSK hit a double tope, Fabian Eichner tried, failed, and then succeeded to lift both MSK guys on his shoulders before front-rolling onto them. Wesley did his tope con hero over Marcel Bartel, who was sitting atop the top turnbuckle to the outside. It was a crazy spot. Nash Carter then took Bartell off the top rope with an avalanche bulldog at ringside. The Lumberjacks all brawled and cleared out from there as the referee just completely stopped caring about who was legal. Uh, he didn't mandate tags. He just kind of let them all go tornado style. Uh, there were a bunch of cool tag team spots back and forth, but it very much, speaking of, reminded me of a Young Bucks AEW tag team match where suddenly everyone's legal and everyone's just allowed to do cool stuff. Lee hit a tornado DDT. Bartel hit a European uppercut. Carter hit an avalanche code red plus a push moonsault for a 2.9 with the crowd chanting, that was three. So they're chanting positively, out of nowhere maybe, for MSK. We'll get to that in a moment. Eichner interrupted the MSK finisher and hit a brain buster, followed by the Imperial bomb on Lee for the 1-2-3 as Imperium became the new tag team champions. So first of all, this match banged. Uh, And given the Lumberjacks, all kind of disappeared, it really didn't need the stipulation at all. The lack of rules toward the finish took me out of the match a little bit, and I completely disagree with the booking. Now look, was it time for MSK to drop the titles? Yes, of course. It was probably overdue. In fact, it definitely was overdue. But they should have lost them to the Grizzled Young Veterans. I mean, that feud was established. It was there. And for some reason, they just never got around to actually doing it for real where you have the veterans beat them for the titles. I don't see what benefit we as fans or the brand as a whole gets from Imperium as champions. They are talented, extremely talented, but they are very bland and boring as a tag team. It's really the opposite of the rest of this new NXT, right? Even Tommaso Ciampa, you can say, okay, he's a hardcore old school NXT dude. Sure, but he has a lot of personality and exuberance and he really gets out there. That's not really what you get from Imperium. They're stoic, right? And sure, okay, yes, I guess you can put over another face tag team down the line by beating them. Um, Maybe that Briggs and Jensen team or something like that. But like, when's that gonna happen? Maybe it's Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly. Okay, but you know, wouldn't you rather see them feud with grizzled young veterans way down the line as opposed to just Imperium? To me, it seems like the wrong piece of booking. And it was honestly the most surprising thing that happened over the course of the entire show. I, I was shocked that they changed the titles here, given the opponent. Anyway, quality worked throughout this match. I'm gonna say 3.75 stars and a B B+. This was the best wrestled match on the entire show. Again, the NXT Championship match was my favorite. I didn't give it the highest grade, that, but that was my favorite match on the show. This one was the best, though, in terms of in-ring quality, um, excitement top to bottom, MSK had an extremely strong and long run with the titles when all is said and done. To end it in this spot at a Halloween Havoc at a big show, that's fine. The Lumberjack stipulation, by the way, it was basically irrelevant. Like I don't know why they did it when they didn't factor into the end of the match at all. They all cleared out from ringside, and it was just the two teams left at the end. And the Lumberjacks didn't massively affect the winning chances of either team during the match. So I didn't really understand the need for the stipulation. Um, I just thought they could have done something more fun and a little bit better, but it did allow for MSK to hit a couple of those really cool spots. I mentioned that uh, Tope by Wesley over the uh, turnbuckles, which obviously Montez Ford has done a lot recently, but I forgot to mention, they also did a flying bulldog, uh, avalanche bulldog off the turnbuckles into a group of people outside. So maybe that's the reason they did it, just to have some cushioning, but still, uh, I just would have booked it differently. I really thought... Grizzled Young Veterans would have won, or maybe even further down the line, the Creed Brothers would have made a lot of sense to take the titles off them. Instead, Imperium are the new champions, not how I would have booked it, still very much entertaining throughout. I did get a DM slide from JL3, at D underscore Goonies. He said, NXT higher-ups finally had it with the MSK booing nonsense. First, Beth Phoenix goes to bat for them on commentary, and then the NXT tweet. Uh, The tweet was basically, how could you boo this team is something that uh, NXT tweeted. Uh, It's about damn time, he says. It is about damn time. Uh, So this is all really interesting. I want to explain how this stuff transpired this week and MSK suddenly started to get cheered. I find it to be very interesting. So um, I've told you guys the story about MSK and why they get booed on this show numerous times. Very, very briefly, uh, MSK, one of the members, uh, Nash Carter... um, back like in 2018, three years ago, four years ago, something like that, he tweeted um, in response to a story or a tweet or something that that girl Izzy, the Bayley, uh girl, you know, from NXT back in the day, that Izzy was like doing wrestling training and ch- taking a chokeslam at age 13. He tweeted pretty like innocently, hey, that's really not a good idea to do it at that age, right? And by saying something simple like that, we ask, well, Is it his place to get involved in another family's business? I don't know, maybe not, but he was kind of giving his perspective on something that was public and that was tweeted and and that was out there, right? And him being a professional wrestler, someone that's done this and gone through training, he's in the right spot to kind of say, hey, look, you know, you may want to consider not actually doing that. Well, the response allegedly is that Izzy's family took exception to that, immediately started hating him, and then when MSK got to NXT, this is the part I know for sure, uh, that family, along with whoever their closest knit friends are in this small group of people that are actually constantly attending NXT shows, dating all the way back to Full Sail, um, they rallied like 20, 25 people and got them to just consistently boo MSK, even though their faces, even though they won the titles, and even though they're exceptionally exciting. In NXT. And I've told that story on this podcast many times. So what's interesting is apparently on Reddit, uh, someone like uh, just a user asked the question to the Reddit verse. Hey guys, I'm curious why MSK is getting booed. And someone provided the exact same answer that I just gave you. They explained it. Well, that Reddit post, that answer from that person got picked up by a wrestling news outlet that went ahead and confirmed it. And then I think Dave Meltzer on his show, on his Wrestling Observer radio show, basically confirmed the confirmation. Like, yes, that is exactly what's happening. And I think the result of all of this is it got to such a degree, it got so much publicity or attention that the family got embarrassed uh, or realized the error of their ways or just realized they couldn't get away with it anymore. So combined with everyone being alerted to what was really happening... NXT, I'm sure getting fed up with it. Beth Phoenix has always put over MSK, by the way. Don't forget, she used to eat popcorn with them back on the show like six, nine months ago. There was that whole funny thing they did where like she was their mom type of deal for a short period of time. Um so all of while all of that was kind of happening, uh, the fans started cheering them last night. And Beth Phoenix went to bat for them on commentary. And NXT tweeted out, How could you boo these guys? So it seems like now that attention has been brought to the absurdity of booing this team when they've done absolutely nothing wrong, and they are the most entertaining tag team in NXT, and you could argue one of the most entertaining tag teams in all of WWE, they finally get universally cheered or mostly cheered because people are, have smartened up to what's been going on, and then they drop the titles, so I find it all very interesting how it went down, I figured I'd break it down for all of you. Okay, let's move to the rest of the show. We have the NXT Women's Championship. Raquel Gonzalez defending against Mandy Rose in a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match. Uh, Gonzalez rode a motorcycle into the Performance Center for her entrance. She spun the wheel, and it landed on Chucky's choice. So Chucky chose a trick or street fight. Kendo sticks were the primary weapon, Mandy trapped Gonzalez in a desk chair with one between the arms of the chair, like trapping her in by the waist and torso, which was really cool, and hit a pumped knee, knocking her on her back. She went for a fall. The referee wouldn't count because it was not false count anywhere, so Mandy just beat the hell out of Raquel with the kendo stick. Gonzalez put on a Jason mask and sprayed a fire extinguisher. Then she dropped uh, Mandy face first into some chairs in the corner. Gonzalez tried to bring steel steps in the ring, but Mandy threw her face first into them for a 2.5 count. Mandy caught her with some more pump knees for a near fall, and Gonzalez drove Mandy through a table propped up in the corner, but only for a 2.8 count. Mandy Rose kicked out of a table bump, something you probably thought you would never see in WWE. Gonzalez went to finish Mandy when a Druid ran in and hit her in the spine with a shovel from outside the ring, and then Mandy caught Gonzalez with her pump knee for the 1-2-3 to win the first championship title of her entire career. The Druid eventually revealed herself. Of course, as we said, to be Dakota Kai, as expected, given the vignettes leading into Halloween Havoc, given the fact that it makes all the sense in the world for Dakota Kai to be the one to cost Cal Gonzalez the title. It's also the second year in a row, by the way, that we've had like a masked person interfere and cause a title change on Halloween Havoc. You'll remember the scream mask stuff from last year. So Mandy winning the title was inevitable, especially after the women's tag team title result earlier, which we'll talk about in a moment. Like that match... There were some solid spots here, but there was also a lot of messiness as well. The spot with the desk chair was great. Normally, a finish like the one we got here would be an eye roll, and it wasn't perfect, but it makes complete sense being Dakota Kai. It was an above-average match, nothing I'll probably watch again. I'll say three stars and a B-. minus. So now, you have Mandy Rose as the NXT Women's Champion. The You Deserve It stuff, of course, is a little bit trite and overused, But Mandy honestly has been ready to hold some gold for a long time. Probably more a tag team title than a singles title. But it's nice that she's finally getting featured and getting an opportunity to basically make or break it, right? To prove herself that she belongs as part of this main event rotation of women in WWE. Gonzalez was protected in the booking with the shovel to the back. You would think, though, a woman who really shows off her back muscles, like that's like her calling card, like when she makes her entrance and just obviously the way she's built, um, ha- would have a stronger back and would be able to withstand more than a shovel right to the spine. But nevertheless, that is how she got beat uh, in this match. Look, Gonzalez was a very good champion. Of course, she went over Rhea Ripley and a ton of other women in NXT. She was deserving. She, uh, you know, Io Shirai, I think she beat as well. She She held the title for a very long time. A title change was completely... Um, I don't want to say necessary, but it was expected and it was somewhat welcome to freshen things up. The question is, what the hell do you do with Raquel Gonzalez now? I don't know the answer. I mean, obviously she's going to have a feud with Dakota Kai. Both her and Dakota Kai should be on the main roster. Really, Dakota Kai should be on the main roster. Raquel, she could still stay there for another year or so. Uh, So, you know, that feud is obvious. We'll definitely get that. Of course, the question is what happens after that with both of them. That's just going to be one of those things that remains to be seen. Uh, opening the show, we have the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship, and I should also note that the show started 30 minutes commercial-free. So we got this match that I'm about to go through commercial-free, along with a couple other segments, all to combat the World Series. So again, NXT Women's Tag Team Championships on the line, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defending against Gigi Dolan and JC Jane and Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada in a scareway to hell ladder match. Shirai avoided a suplex into a long ladder with a double DDT on the Aussies outside the ring. Indy jumped off the top rope onto the ladder, but Stark did the same. Dolan set up a larger ladder, but Stark knocked her off of it. And Io literally jumped onto Indy's back on a propped up ladder in the ring to pull her down. It was really cool. Persia pushed the ladder, but Stark fell into a springboard off the top rope to splash the women outside. It was almost identical to the spot that Ricochet did um, at NXT TakeOver New Orleans, except instead of like a moonsault or a shooting star, whatever he did, uh, it was just a splash. But I, and I know luchadors have done this spot with the ladder. I'm sure Ray Phoenix has done it. You know, maybe the Young Bucks have done it. I don't doubt these things. I've only seen it twice. Those people are Ricochet and Zoe Stark. Incredibly impressive. Persia pulled Dolan off a ladder and powerbombed her into another propped in the corner. Io Shirai pulled Jane down off a ladder directly into another before hitting a gorgeous springboard moonsault right onto her and the ladder in a great spot. It was maybe one of the best spots of the entire show. I'd say top three spot of the entire show. Stark tried a corkscrew, uh, but botched it and landed on her feet. Looked like she maybe hurt her knee. So Indy put her in a into a ladder with a spine buster. EO knocked Indy down, but Indy toppled the ladder with EO crashing from this very tall ladder, awkwardly out of the ring into the long ladder propped up between the ring apron and the announce table in a really sick spot. And this was a great callback to last year when Shirai pushed Candice LeRae off a ladder, threw another one outside that she snapped in half, and that led to the finish of that match. This one didn't snap, but the bump was just as gnarly. Uh, Jane distracted Hartwell atop the ladder, allowing Dolan to knock her down, straddling the top with a boot to grab the title's for the win. There were a couple of rough spots in the match, but it was action-packed, about 13 minutes. EO took the worst bump of the whole thing. She sold it like death. Not only did she take the bump, not only was she okay, she sold it like death. She did not move outside the ring for like four or five minutes after the bell until they finally went to commercial. She's fine, by the way. She tweeted, other people tweeted, she's 100%. Well, maybe not 100%, but she didn't break anything. Uh, NXT booked the right winners here especially if Mandy Rose was going to win the women's title later in the show, which of course she did. They had to take these straps off Io and Zoe. The whole thing with them, it just didn't work. It felt like a reward for Zoe Stark and something to do with Io Shirai, but it was neither good enough for either of them. So, you know, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad they're going to progress forward with new women's tag teams. I'll go 3.25 stars and a B for this, and that's extra credit with some of the bumps, because again, the match wasn't incredible, but the bumps were so good. Some of them were so good that it's like, how do you go lower? Like, you got to give respect to the work, right? Um, So yes, I'm going to go 3.25 stars here. And if you argued with me and said it was low because you liked a lot of the bumps, I'm not going to argue with you either. But I think that score is just about right. Also, Io Shirai at this point, I think we need to declare her insane. Uh, She's a nut job, right? Uh, In the best possible way, though, this woman will take any bump at any time, and then just hops up and survives all of them. There's something about Japanese wrestlers, male and female. You can't do anything to them; they're almost indestructible. It's incredible. Uh, trash can over your body, making a splash from the top of the cage. Kali Oshirai. Twist your body like a Twizzler and fall onto a ladder propped up between the ring apron and the table. Kali Oshirai. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. This woman is incredible. She needed to be on the main roster. When fans returned, she needed to be there in this draft. I am getting tired of waiting. At this point, she is going to be a massive star on the main roster. Get her up there for the Royal Rumble, just like Rhea Ripley last year, and go with it. Allow her to shine. She has the opportunity to be incredible on WWE proper. So those were the main things that happened on Halloween Havoc. Let's break down everything else from the show. Uh, one of the other big segments was Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams uh, pulling up to Dexter Loomis's haunted house in an effort to find Carmelo's new North American Championship. Trick was scared shitless the entire time. He was hilarious. Loomis and Johnny Gargano watched on the screen with the zombie ref, which was a nice touch. Andre Chase was there on a field trip, and he got eaten by zombies. Mello got pulled into a dark room. Trick ran away scared and accidentally slapped Mello. They finally found the title when Loomis and Gargano got some shots in. They eventually got away with the titles. Gargano and Loomis, um, you know, they just kind of stood there at, at, outside the house after it was all over. Gargano said Loomis's house was weird and they should do Halloween at his place next year. Both of them and then all the characters that we saw in the segment that I wasn't going to name, but there was like a dozen or two dozen characters. They all gave Loomis's thumbs up to end the segment. Look, parts of this were legitimately funny. Trick acting like he thought he was the stereotypical black character in a horror movie who who always dies first. It was the best thread throughout this entire thing. But plenty of it, if we're being honest, was boring and a little bit flat as well. It did not hit the same notes as the Loomis deal with Grimes last year, but it definitely had its place on the show. So I, I liked it. Carmelo and Trick made it funny just because of how scared they acted. The things they were scared about, And the house, the way it was constructed, just wasn't as good as last year. But a good effort, and I appreciated everyone's work, certainly. And they did make me laugh, I'd say three or four times, in the two combined segments. Uh, Grayson Waller stepped in as host with LA Knight late to the party, and was excited over the women wearing tiny costumes backstage. We'll get back to that comment in a moment. Uh, Waller was later mingling at the party, the Halloween party, when Cameron Grimes scared a bunch of women away. Tony D'Angelo bribed Lash Legend to be her guest next week. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner were dressed up as two different versions of Brad Pitt characters. That was actually pretty funny, especially because the whole deal with Von Wagner is he kind of looks like a caveman, and, you know, the whole goal of this was to make him look handsome, and it didn't work, obviously, so that was pretty funny. Uh, Grimes told Duke Hudson they play poker next week, and then Zion Quinn choke slammed Robert Stone dressed as Elvis and acting kind of like an asshole uh, through a table. It was mostly silly, harmless. Not particularly good, though. Uh, We had Joe Gacy in a match against Malik Blade. Gacy interrupted Waller's promo I just mentioned about the women, saying Halloween was not inclusive and it was exploitive. Uh, Harland walked alone backstage. Blade attacked after the bell. After a couple minutes, Harland appeared at ringside, basically choking Blade. The referee didn't call the match for that. Uh, Gacy convinced him to let Blade go. And then Gacy just leveled Blade in the ring with a clothesline, and he got the win. Gacy then told Harland he can trust him after the match. It was a bunch of nothing. No grade, nothing special, kind of boring. Actually, maybe the most boring thing that Joe Gacy's done since he kind of made his debut. Uh, Kaylee Ray got a video package where she spray-bainted a wall and broke a bunch of stuff with a sledgehammer, angry that she was the longest reigning women's champion in WWE over the last six decades and has already been lost in the shuffle in NXT. Uh, yeah, no shit. Where the hell is Kaylee Ray been? It's literally absurd given that she is one of the best women on the NXT roster US and UK combined and i think we've seen one or two matches that were a squash and that's it she should be in a major program fighting for the title it's crazy hopefully this is the start of that uh the package was rather plain and unimpressive though it didn't really get her over it in any way it just kind of let her say what was true uh malcolm bivens issued an open challenge for Diamond Mine with any member available to fight. Odyssey Jones answered the call and called out Roderick Strong. Bivens, in a really funny spot, said, Jones ain't 205 pounds. Jones said Black was slimming. Uh, Both of their comments were hardly audible, but I did hear them and they were funny. So we got Strong versus Jones in a singles match. Odyssey was dominating when the Creed brothers jumped on the ring apron to distract him. Strong caught Jones with a knee to the back and another to the face. And Odyssey sold the knee to the face by falling flat on his face like he had just gotten shot. Strong pushed hard to roll him over for the win. And look, these are the types of matches I don't mind being short. A rookie, you know, with some size and poundage versus an undersized veteran who needs to cheat to win. It totally makes sense. Jones got some moves in, Strong went over. That's how it's supposed to be. Waller was in the ring promoting his social media later in the show when LA Knight, the real host, finally showed up. Solo Sokoa made his entrance and just belly-to-belly suplexed Waller over the top rope And the fans chanted, Uso, a reminder, he is the youngest Uso brother, uh, Jimmy and Jay's younger brother. Uh, And that's all we got, though. I thought he was supposed to have a match. They said he was going to be in action. That was disappointing. I got to say, this guy's haircut is absolutely terrible, like all-time awful haircut. It almost looks like it's a doll, where it's, it's trimmed straight across and straight down the forehead. It's brown underneath and dyed blonde on top. And it's kind of like mullet style, except there's not a full back. It's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It is the worst haircut ever. Other than the haircut, the presentation was solid. I want to see more. And I don't know if I want to see less or more hair, but I I don't want to see that hair ever again. Go look up a picture of it. It was exceptionally strange. Um, One other thing here. There was a whole group of fans wearing Nexus shirts, like the original faction, like Wade Barrett, Brian Danielson, you know, the whole deal. I have no idea why they were wearing those shirts, and I could not figure it out. But there was like probably, I don't know, at least eight, anywhere between eight to 15 people wearing Nexus shirts all sitting together during the show. As far as, you know, Halloween Havoc, just to kind of wrap it all up and put a bow on it. Like I said, the only real surprise on the show for me was Imperium winning the NXT tag team titles? Everything else made complete sense. Braun not winning over Champa is what I expected and hoped, but it was a delight to see that they didn't rush it. So that was a positive and the show did end on a very high note. Overall, top to bottom, it was the best episode of this new NXT to date. That should not be a surprise given it was a special show and they had four matches that they all allowed to actually last like 13 to 17 minutes or so. It didn't live up to Halloween Havoc of 2020, as I said earlier, but that was an exceptional show. This was never going to be. It was solid from start to finish. I appreciated the effort and the work they all put in. It did give me hopes for NXT going forward in the future. There is still a lot they need to work on. Many of the um, characters, they're just not necessarily working for me. Some of the wrestling is just way too green. Um, Look, we talked about this. That whole The reports of NXT going back to what it used to be, that's what it's doing. But that NXT that it used to be on the WWE Network when it was one hour before the Undisputed Era kind of came in and it became a real high work rate independent style brand, it was about introducing top independent wrestlers and a lot of rookies from the Performance Center that were training and putting them in the ring with veterans. And you'd get a one hour show that would usually be about 50 minutes you'd get a couple squash matches and a main event with maybe an additional storyline. That's basically what we're getting in this new NXT. The difference is it's two hours instead of one and it's very bright. I think if they toned down the brightness and they changed the atmosphere a little bit, a lot of people would think and feel like it was really more like that old NXT that we talked about. But the idea behind it, it is very similar to what that NXT used to be. It's just different because that was on WWE Network. It was niche. This is now on USA Network um, trying to get ratings and get people to watch the show. And you know, putting people on television is way different than putting people on a streaming service where your audience is gonna be much smaller. So that is uh, the NXT Halloween Havoc 2021 analysis episode. I'm glad I got the opportunity to give it its own time and break it all down. As I said, we will be back on Thursday this week uh, to break down everything that happened Over the last week in the world of AEW, we're gonna go through two episodes of Dynamite and one episode of Rampage. We're gonna do it like our WWE show. We're gonna have a main event, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That is how we're gonna break down AEW this week. I'm actually excited to give it, you know, that full opportunity to do a show in that way about AEW. I think that's gonna be pretty cool. And of course, do not forget, if you missed it, our Tuesday episode, talking all things WWE SmackDown, Raw, the Charlotte Flair controversy, and WWE's 2022 pay-per-view schedule, and really just the start to the build for WWE Survivor Series, which they did get into just a little bit on SmackDown and Raw. Or One more reminder, do not forget the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. So please, folks, go go back to being marks for the Silver King the getting over wrestling podcast head on over to apple podcast leave a five-star rating and review let people know how much you love the show leave a five-star rating i told you new initiative starting today Uh, five-star rating and review we will read it on the show so that's a little extra incentive for you guys to go and do that also please do not forget to follow us on twitter at getting over cast okay folks that is it for today thank you all for listening With all of that out of the way, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.